Here's a quote from the newly returned king, Aragorn, or as he's known when he's not acting in The Lord of the Rings, Viggo Mortensen. To be an artist, you don't have to compose music or paint or be in the movies or write books. It's just a way of living. It has to do with paying attention, remembering, filtering what you see and answering back, participating in life. That's a bold call to action. Or really, it's a bold call to identity. Now, if you try that on, imagine yourself as an artist, how does that fit? I'm trying that myself right now, and I'm struck by the idea of being an artist is participating in life. That feels significant to me, and I want that. It reminds me of a quote I heard from Robert Greene saying that there are two types of time, dead time, when you're waiting for things to happen to you, and a lifetime when you're initiating. So try on the identity of an artist. If you were, and humor me here, how are you participating in life? And what does that tell you about the art that you're creating? How does it nourish you? And who, if anyone, do you make that art for? Welcome to Two Pages with MBS. This is the podcast where brilliant people read the best two pages from a favorite book, a book that has moved them, a book that has shaped them. Chadney Everett is a lifelong artist and explorer of the human experience. His work has been in galleries and theater and in television, even in film, Breaking Bad and No Country for Old Men. You've probably heard of those shows. Now, when I said Chadney is a lifelong artist, I wasn't exaggerating. Quite literally, the earliest thing I remember doing, um, my mother bought me a large roll of butcher paper when I was very young. And that is among my earliest memories is unrolling that and drawing on it. So I've I've been making art and art has been central to my life for the entirety of my life. Why would you be an artist? I mean, it feels like that's a hard life, at least if you want to make a living from it. And Chadney's successfully done that. I wondered where he found the meaning in his work. When we're doing it meaningfully and with integrity, art is a means by which the artist and the viewer are exploring themselves um, and what it means to be human um, and the shared humanity that is underneath our differences in sex and and culture, et cetera. Um, But the shared baseline humanity that great art can connect us all through that place. Chadney's drive to create art is rooted in connection, which has led him to his current role as the Senior Creative Director at Meow Wolf. Now, (laughs) we'll get to what Meow Wolf is in just a second, but first, what is up with that name? You know, the the, the organization named itself early on by um, sitting around and putting a bunch of words in a hat and drew Meow out of one hat and Wolf out of the other and like, that's who we are. That process reminds me how Marcella and I decided to move to Canada. We were in a pub. We each wrote down the name of three cities on a beer coaster. On the count of three, we flipped them over, and Toronto made both beer coasters. So here, 21 years later, we are. But what exactly does Meow Wolf do? So we kind of make... I like to say this large gilded frame, this highly ornate gilded frame that contains all of this other artist's work. Um, and so we have one, in, our original one in Santa Fe, New Mexico, um, and one in Las Vegas as well. 
So essentially, they build large immersive art installations up to a five-story building that contain the work of other local artists, which in itself is a fascinating concept. And in fact, I'm off to see the one in Santa Fe in just a few weeks' time. But that said, I was curious about how a lifelong artist would adapt to being in the business of art. Early on, there was this expectation I had that the organization would make room for me to make my art. And there was this kind of uh, rude psychic awakening I had, not and, and from right. any fault of Meow Wolf, but it's not Meow Wolf's job to work for the individual. We work for the, the whole, right? We're a, mm. a thousand employees now, um, wow. you know, and we all make this big thing together. Um, and so I realized no, that's not Meowulf's job to make space mm. for my art. I need to make space for that. And so I carve out time every day. What do I want to ask? I want to ask um, what, what, what fuels this commitment to be an artist, whether that's your internal drive or maybe whether you're, what, what you draw upon to mm. keep you thinking and changing and evolving as an artist. It's, the, it's, the, it's similar to what we were just talking about as the function of art. Mm. I am a person who's always been very interested in um, exploring what it means to be and more specifically what it means to be me because that's the only vehicle I have to explore <laughs> right. that with. <laughs> the, the ultimate gilded frame. <laughs> that's right. And so art is very much a part of that process. And my writing project right now is actually <clears throat> fully focused on that. It's uh, mm. I'm writing a, a, a series of essays right now on art. Um, mm. And one of them that I'm working on currently is about process um, and right. how um, <clears throat> I found my way from product to process um, and the process being that continual revisitation of going through this little mini hero's journey in a way where right. you start right. with this fantastic idea, the, the, you know, the treasure that awaits um, mm. and you have to battle all of your demons <laughs> to find your way right. to it. Um, and you go through that every time. And it used to be a thing yeah. that actually deterred me from making art. And now mm. it's the thing that excites me about it. Um, even though right. it's challenging, it's that challenge that excites me now. Yeah. I love it. You know, part of the hero's journey process is finding the nerve to cross the threshold. Right. What makes you hesitate to cross the threshold? What gets you across the threshold? Mm. Yeah, I think that if I am making my art and doing my work with integrity, and that mm. means for myself, right? then I have far fewer issues and hesitations than if I'm concerned about what other people are, are going to think about it. Right, right. That's when I start to hesitate and start to doubt myself and start to doubt what I'm creating. Um, and that is also not going to create the best art if you're mm. thinking about the audience as you make it. But that, that <laughs> I can nod to that. But I'm like, <laughs> how do I actually do that? Because um, I, you know, I write as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm also trying to write something that serves an audience, mm -hmm. not just serving me. Right. Do, do, but as a but maybe I'm not an artist. Maybe I'm a, <laughs> I'm not sure what uh, a teacher or, or a hack or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, not a hack, but, but maybe I'm a teacher or a facilitator. Mm -hmm. But is is there a sense with an artist you you just go 
I mean, I've just been listening to the radio and Tears for Fears is being interviewed <laughs> and they're, they're back up their first album after 17 years. Right. And, and the guy said, the interviewer was like, how come your, how come your songs are still relevant 20 years after that or 40 years after they came out? Right. And they're like, well, we just did what we felt what we wanted to do rather than try to pander to an audience. Right. How, how do you keep the, the, the niggling demands of a potential audience? Mm out of your gilded frame there's a kind of there's a huge leap of faith there and what mm. that leap of faith is i think kurt vonnegut's a good example of an artist who like a great documentary that just came out about him so good as well um but who absolutely found an authentic voice for mm. himself that um took many years for people to yeah. catch on to his first several books were not not even well received. They just weren't received at all. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody was reading them, you know. Um, but there is this humans crave authentic connection, whether we know it or not. Mm. And so, when an artist, whether we know it consciously or not, and so when an artist or even someone who, and and I would disagree with you, everyone is an artist, and we all are artists in different ways. We all are creative. We all are aesthetic beings. Um, so when an artist is creating from an a place of integrity and authenticity, um, mm. like through their own BS down to that place of like true communication with themselves, right. that will translate to other people and people will, when they see that thing, recognize it and mm. connect with it. Um, and so even if you're writing, even like something like a school book, let's say, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, authenticity and, and integrity in that way matters very deeply. Um, so like right now, because this is very much a focus of my writing right now, I'm actually yeah, yeah. moving away from the kind of universal we with a lot of my essay writing and moving completely toward the I, um, right. because I'm the idea being if I speak with real authenticity about my experience with the thing and with art, <clears throat> which is the only viewpoint I, I can hold, actually, right. and kind right. of any other vantage point is bit of arrogance you know what yeah, i mean yeah, um yeah. if i do that and really speak authentically that is the thing that i hope will connect people to, to what i'm doing and generally in my experience it has been the thing that's connected me to other artists work how do you walk that line chadney as part of meow wolf because as you said mm -hmm. meow wolf has a thousand employees mm -hmm. you have you have it feels like cities that you serve, you know, Santa Fe <laughs> and Las Vegas and, you know, That's Colorado right. as well. Right. And um, what that means is you've got people who are like, we need this investment to pay off in some way, <laughs> whether that's actual revenue or actual profit or just a cultural experience. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I really appreciate and understand that whole, the eye is the perspective that I hold and I'm trying to get to my own bedrock. But you're also a creative director in a big organization. Mm -hmm. How how do you find how do you walk this line with mm -hmm. that kind of more commercial responsibility? I guess. Well, one thing that I will say that I appreciate about what Mialf does is that we are not servants to our IP, mm -hmm. to our intellectual property. We create the things that we want to make, and we're interested in making new things every time, and they are developed from an authentic place. And mm -hmm. the voices of um, anybody within the organization 
can be and the inspiration from anybody in the organization can be the thing that leads to um, the thing being built. For example, in Denver, um, two of the main, two of the five main spaces within that exhibit were um, inspired by one of our longtime artists. Um, they had created um, a 3D model of a city with a kind yeah. of sewers underneath it. And we were like, oh, that is so cool. Like we need to make that thing. It evolved of course over time, but but um, great ideas can come from anyone. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. so allowing for that thing. Now, and another answer to that question as well is that Meow Wolf very intentionally rides the line between art and entertainment. Right. Art, being, art being the kind of, well, entertainment being the invitation and art being the transformation. And so we get so many more people into our exhibits than would ever go see a museum or art gallery. Um, and, um, and that's why we ride that line. Um, yeah. I would use artists like David Bowie as a great example of someone who does something like this right now. I'm not comparing right. us to David Bowie. He's a genius, but <laughs> he was an incredible artist and an incredible pop songwriter. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And he was yeah. able to marry those two things to, mm. so the, the, the pure artists loved him. And people who didn't really understand pure, pure art also loved him for his pop right. sensibilities, and he invited them into an artistic mm. world, right? That quality is something that Mjolf is trying to capture. Yeah, that's so great. Mm -hmm. There are some people who I, I look at, Bowie, one of them, Dylan, another one, mm -hmm. Damon Album from uh, Blur and Gorillaz, another one. They're like, you got to see what the sense that they're creating whatever the hell they want to create. I mean, Dylan, I mean, some of the stuff he's put out, his Christmas oh, yeah. album, yeah. It's, it's an abomination, but it's, but it's also like, you just, it, it is absolutely in keeping with Bob Dylan. <laughs> like, okay, it's like, it's, it's like, it's, it's great. And it's in its own terribleness. Exactly. He's another perfect example of that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Chadney, what did you choose to read for us? Ah, I chose something that may be not so easy, but the dehumanization of art by Jose Ortega y Gasset. Um, it is an essay. Uh, he was a philosopher um, mm. from the late 1800s and early uh, 1900s, he, uh, 1883 to 1955. Um, he was a philosopher, a famous Spanish philosopher, uh, probably mm. the most famous Spanish philosopher, but also an essayist. Um, yeah. And so he wrote plenty of essays on myriad topics. Um, and this is one of them that he wrote on art. Um, and it was... Um, his thinking about the new art. So this mm. book is almost exactly a hundred years ago right now. Right. It's 1925. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about the new art. What is yeah. that new art? We're coming out of the period of romanticism uh, in the late 1700s, early uh, mid 1800s. And then the first modern art movement, which was realism, uh, right. right. Led by Corbet and, and others. Um, and then, you know, then, you know, the kind of modernism that he talks about in this book, uh, which is, you know, cubism, Dadaism, Fauvism, Expressionism, uh, et cetera, right. surrealism, all being born in the early 1900s, this kind of blossoming like, of new art, like, right? That's like a reaction. The, the early work of Picasso is exactly. kind of this kind of a statement around, this is how I'm breaking everything. Cubism Absolutely. breaking everything and randomly right. putting it back together. Absolutely. How, how did you discover this? This, you know, so of course I'm interested in the subject. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's just one of the kind of many, um, you know, things I've read on art um, along the way. Um, it, it's interesting to revisit now, I think, a yeah. hundred years hence, um, <laughs> to think about, you know, because, you know, uh, 
post Ortega tries to remain objective in this book, but he fails. And at the end, right. he he basically states like, um, you know, at the end that the new art has produced nothing worthwhile. Like he yeah. he thinks he says that cubism is a total failure. He thinks Dadaism was ridiculous. You know what mm. I mean? Like he he just um, you know, so it's it's really interesting that you know he talks about how mm. all new art um uh starts off as unpopular or let's say not popular so he makes yeah. a distinction between not popular and unpopular um and and it it's a in an elite that will get it at first and it takes some time and it's interesting that he himself mm. did not really get it you know that's right yeah, I love that you're bringing it up. I just because um, I know less about art, I know a touch more about literature, and it's mm. basically the hundred year anniversary of James Joyce's Ulysses oh, coming yeah. out, uh -huh. and um, it, that is the literary equivalent to cubism. <laughs> like, it's like, what the hell have you done to the novel? Right. And you Absolutely. have some people going, "This is extraordinary," and you have people like Virginia Woolf going, "This is a cesspit." What the hell are you doing? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and it's that same interesting point of response and reaction. Right. And they're the oh, gatekeepers, um, right? The, the, and, the old guard are the gatekeepers for what exactly. they consider to be art in finger quotes. Yeah. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is that all art forms play out over time. And that's one thing mm. Ortega talks about. And they have to make way for the new forms. Yeah. It's must. I'm excited to hear the two pages. So, right. Chadney, uh, over to you. Thank you. In the following, I will speak more in general and consider all the arts that are still somewhat alive in the Western world. That is, not only music, but also painting, poetry, and the theater. It is amazing how compact a unity every historical epoch presents throughout its various manifestations. One in the same inspiration, one in the same biological style, are recognizable in several branches of art. The young musician, himself unaware of it, strives to realize in his medium the same aesthetic values as his contemporary colleagues, the poet, the painter, the playwright, and theirs. And this identity of artistic purpose necessarily produces identical sociological consequences. In fact, the unpopularity of the new music has its counterpart in a similar unpopularity of the other muses. All modern art is unpopular, and it is not so accidentally and by chance, but essentially and by fate. It might be said that every newcomer among styles passes through a stage of quarantine. The Battle of Hernani comes to mind, and all the other skirmishes connected with the advent of Romanticism. However, the unpopularity of present-day art is of a different kind. A distinction must be made between what is not popular and what is unpopular. A new style takes some time in winning popularity. It is not popular, but it is not unpopular either. The breakthrough of Romanticism, although a frequently cited example, is, as sociological phenomena, exactly the opposite of the present situation of art. Romanticism was very quick in winning the people, in quotes, to whom the old classical art had never appealed. The enemy with whom Romanticism had to fight it out was precisely a select minority of irretrievably sold to the classical forms of the ancient regime and poetry. The works of the Romanticists were the first, after the invention of printing, to enjoy large editions. Romanticism was the prototype of a popular style. Firstborn of democracy, it was coddled by the masses. Modern art, on the other hand, will always have the masses against it. It is essentially unpopular. Moreover, it is anti-popular. Any of its works automatically produces a curious effect on the general public. It divides the public into two groups, one very small, formed by those who are favorably inclined towards it, another very large, the hostile majority. Let us ignore that ambiguous fauna, the snobs. 
Thus, the work of art acts like a social agent which segregates from the shapeless mass of the many two different castes of men. Which is the differentiating principle that creates these two antagonistic groups? Every work of art arouses differences of opinion. Some like it, some don't. Some like it more, some like it less. Such disagreements have no organic character. They are not a matter of principles. A person's chance disposition determines on which side he will fall. But in the case of the new art, the split occurs in a deeper layer than that which differences of personal taste reside. It is not that the majority does not like the art of the young and the minority likes it, but that the majority of the masses do not understand it. So, um, yeah, and so that touches on some of the points we were talking about, about unpopularity and popularity. And also Ulysses is a great example of this thing, right? Where it's like, um, it's anti-popular in a way. It's not meant to be got by everybody. Right, 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 exactly. It's not trying to pander to the majority. Yeah. Um, how do you sit with the majority? Do you feel they're the hostile majority, or do you feel a different way about how your work meets the world? Mm. My personal work and my work with Meow Wolf, I, throughout my life, my taste, I've always been a generalist. I'm not mm. like, I, I have many, many interests. Um, I, I could talk um, as much about cooking <laughs> as I could about art, as I could about working on classic cars, as mm-hmm. I could about like many things, right? I just, I have many, many interests. And also that applies to my tastes in art and other things. I like high and low, you know, mm. um, and I think there's value in it all. Um, so my concern is more how art connects to people because that's its function, right? Mm. Its function is to make a connection between the artist and uh, the viewer or the reader or the listener. Um, And if it doesn't make that connection, the art has failed. Um, Even if you're trying to connect to a very small group of people, um, Mm. still you need to make a connection, right? And so not everybody's going to get Ulysses. Um, Yeah. yeah. But for for the sake of what? For the sake of what does art need to make that connection? Hmm, how interesting. And we're going to, that is, if we can answer that really truthfully, we will have defined art on this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you could wrap that up for me in the next 30 seconds or so, that would be great. <laughs> what, what drives us to connect with one another? Yeah. And what drives us to connect with one another and ourselves into the mysteries of who we are and why mm. we are, right? Like that thing is what drives us to make art and also to engage with art is to engage with that, that thing that can't be, we don't know how to describe any other way and we don't know how to explore any other way. Right. right? It's the only vehicle we know how to do it. And it's an imperfect vehicle. Mm. Um, and which drives us to continue using that vehicle and exploring it from different avenues. Um, and painting explores it in one way, in ways that you, if you could write it, you would write it, but you can't. So you do it through a painting Um, and music in its own and writing in its own, et cetera. Um, And so those are almost like spokes on a wheel leading toward a hub um, that we're trying to find where that hub resides. So I'm trying to weave, there's so many interesting things going on. Let me try and weave one pattern out of this in in a provocative way. You know, we the call to be the artist is to find yourself and focus on yourself as your audience. You're writing this for you. Mm-hmm. In that, you have a chance to connect with others because there's a sense of a resonance that may reach out and connect to others. We connect to know ourselves and learn and perhaps evolve. Mm-hmm. 
uh, is rejected by the hostile majority. Are we doomed to be a? Are we doomed? <laughs> Short answer: <laughs> Yes. Like, yeah. Because I'm like, how do if if art is a way that we we progress our humanity mm. and art is rejected, the very nature of art, it's inherent in the art is that it's rejected. Do we get a chance to evolve? I haven't got asked, got a question. Yeah. I've just got a dump, I've dumped a bunch of stuff on yeah. the table and go. Yeah, how would you put some of this stuff together? Right. So, it's a lot of it can be like six steps forward, five steps back. You know, five and three um, quarter steps back. Right? Yeah, and then one um, step to the there side. There is a very <laughs> slow evolution. Like we make these big leaps. Mm. Uh, you can think of big movements uh, that happen in society, like mm. the 1960s, um, etc., mm. um, in the 1920s. Um, before that. Um, where they definitely have an effect on society, but then the f what the fallout from that effect is is kind of what's long lasting. Also, mm. Joseph Campbell has uh, a really interesting quote um, that where he states that the role that shaman used to play in society, artists play today. Right. Um, and I really love that in that, and, and that's when an artist is doing it with real integrity um, and mm. and diving into those deep dark places. That role that shaman played was that they were the ones courageous enough to go into these very dark places and then bring back what they found and were able to share it with their people in a safe way, right? Mm. So that their people could digest this thing in a safe way, um, but still get this information. Um, art has the capacity to do the same thing, right? Where the artist can go to these, these kind of fundamental places of humanity uh, right. when they're doing it well. And then when they sh share that work, we're all able to connect with that and kind of get at least a moment of recognition mm. of our expansiveness, right? And, and how our potential as human beings, right? right? So that thing is essential to art. And that to me also is essential to why, to the effectiveness of art, right? And so... Ulysses is able to do that thing very, very well, right? Yeah. Um, but it's doing it for the people who there's a there's a more limited group of people who have the capacity to go to that place with James right. Joyce, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I have literally published academic articles on Ulysses, mm -hmm. and I haven't finished reading it yet because it's too hard, <laughs> and I don't even and I don't understand most of it. But somehow I wrote an academic piece about it that got published. It's right, a deep irony. Right. Um, I'm Joyce would approve of. Right. Um, you know, Meow Wolf, and therefore your work with Meow Wolf, it's about immersive art. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how important that word immersive is hmm. i mean all art is ultimately immersive right if you're doing it well if you're in a good book you're lost in it right it is an immersive it is immersive art yeah, yeah. I, I tell you why i asked this because mm -hmm. I, I when i go to an art gallery and i i'm i like going to art galleries or at least some of them um i walk by the pictures <laughs> I spend more time reading the label of what the picture is than I do looking at the picture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, I remember reading somebody, I can't remember who now, just going, look, I'm, I make people sit and look at a picture for an hour. <laughs> and it's excruciating <laughs> because, because people aren't used to looking at it for an hour. But, you know, the picture emerges from an hour's interrogation and examination right. being present with that piece of art. But, it, you know, often a trip to a gallery or other ways we we experience art is as a passing 
glance right. rather than a sense of immersion. And I'm wondering, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just wondering what immersive means mm-hmm. in terms of helping people feel art in a way that might not have done before. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that even I, who am, you know, uh, a lover of painting as a form, um, I don't spend that long with a painting. Mm. Um, I think the longest I've ever spent with a painting was when I was in Madrid, Spain, and and uh, saw Guernica for the first time. Right. In, um, is that the Prado? Which, yeah. uh, it's at the Reina Sofia, I believe. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, they designed the reveal for that painting so well, where you kind mm. of get set up for it and you see all the sketches, and then you turn a corner, and there it is in a much grander scale than you ever could have imagined it might have been. And it's an incredibly emotional experience. My wife and I both like teared up when we saw it. And I probably spent 10 to 15 minutes with it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it was very impactful. But that is, uh, to linger any longer, is going beyond the point of impact. Do you know what I mean? Um, And so uh, even with my favorite paintings, I don't spend that long with them. And Mm. it's the same with a page of a book, right? I'm moving through the book at a pace. um, And, you know, to like linger on the page too long, you lose the thread of why you're even reading the book. You know what I mean? You you just, you keep moving. um, And then what you're left with, the same as the 60s and societal movements is you have the big impact and then the residual Mm. after effect, right? Uh, Right, Of the thing. Yeah. You, know, you remind me of, I was um, just before the whole pandemic thing happened in Vienna because uh, they had a exhibition of Bruegel's painting mm, mm-hmm. and it was like this extraordinary, we've found, we've gathered as many of the Bruegel's together as we can from around the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were on the last day it was open and it was a, a kind of after hours tour. We'd paid a bit of money to kind of do a special, you know, get away from the crowd. I remember being in a room by myself with my two of my very favorite paintings, the Tower of Babel paintings. Mm, that mm-hmm. He did two of them and they're quite different, right. but they're, yeah. and it's just me and these two paintings in this room. I'm like, this is yeah. amazing. This yeah. is what it, this is what it means to be a Pope or an right. emperor or something. Right. Um, and yeah. I sat with them as long as I could, but it would have been 10 minutes maybe. Right. Um, but you know, it's an interesting phrase you use, which is, you know, if you stay too long, you start to lose the thread. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder to what extent art is in some ways about trying to have you lose the thread. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. That's, it's an interesting thought. It's one I hadn't considered before, but I think that at least from my perspective, art is absolutely meant to be a transformative experience, but it's mm. done well. Right. And so in that case, in that sense, yeah. Designed to make yeah. you lose the thread in that um, hopefully it causes you to reflect and then you're breaking free of some calcifications on yourself. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Kedney, if, you know, I, I what I loved about what you were reading was, um, I, I guess his surname is Ortega Igeset, which is mm. like a great surname. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, you know what? Everything has its epoch. Everything is resisted initially. It needs to find its time. It needs to kind of reveal itself. Right. And then kind of, yeah, but this modern art is rubbish. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> exactly. like, I'm like, yeah, you need to reread your own essay here. Right. Um, how do we sit with resistance to mm-hmm. art? Like if we're feeling that resistance, that whole, look, right. I know what art is and I could do this myself and this is a load of old bollocks. Right. Is there a way that we can shift that resistance or right. change that resistance? 
one of the things that he talks about in the book, and it's interesting in that book that he he's complex, almost like Nietzsche in a way, where he contradicts himself throughout mm. his writing, um, because he also talks about how traditional forms, like let's say a portrait, if you're looking at the subject of the painting, you're not um, looking at the art of the thing, right? Mm. Like we, we have to forget the subject and look at the the piece as a whole to see the art, right? So right. we're not connecting with the subject of the portrait, we're connecting with the creation, right? Mm. Um, that thing. And so that's what he talks about with modern art is modern art has kind of, and, and oh, by the way, I think it's really important to state, and I haven't stated this yet, when he says a dehumanization of art in his book, he's not saying to take away our humanity. What he's mm. saying is taking the humans out of art. Mm. Right. And so the humans are no longer the subject of art. And right. that's an important thing to note in this because right. it can be misinterpreted. Um, and so what he's saying is the modern artists, what they're doing is they are releasing the kind of illusion of like space and subjects and reality and trying to capture reality because art can never capture reality. It must acknowledge that it is a metaphor. Right. right. And so the new artists are leaning totally into that. And they're saying, okay, art is absolutely metaphor. Let's go for it. You know? Yeah. And so releasing all pretense at reality and mm. leaning into like, how does it make me feel? What is the metaphor for the thing? And right. so he acknowledges that in his writing while at the same time saying, but I also don't like it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. So if, if I'm a viewer and I'm, and I'm, walking around the corner of something and there's art in front of me. And I'm like, that's, what is this about? Do I just move on? Do I sit with right. it? H how do I, how do I be with my resistance? Right. So again, art is about communication. And mm. if a new form or any form, even an existing form doesn't communicate with you, it's like, there are many, many people who do not, let's just talk about like opera as a form, do not mm. connect with opera, right. As a kind of, as a, a subset of music, you know, yeah. um, I love opera, uh, but I also love punk rock. Do you know what I mean? Mm, Again, I'm a generalist. Yeah. I love it all, you know? And so, um, so, uh, and I love opera because I, I get it or I feel like I get it. You know yeah. what I mean? Though there's some operas that are a little bit <laughs> convoluted and, you know, I'm, I'm going to go see some Wagner this, uh, this, right. uh, you know, this, this summer that, you know, um, he can sometimes be a little bit more challenging, but, <laughs> but anyway, um, there are people that connect with writing like yourself mm, and mm. more than they, let's say might with the visual arts. It's, you yeah. know, so it's what, what can, what connects with you? In other words, there are plenty of vehicles, artistic vehicles for us to find one that might, um, be the vehicle that works best for us to find our way toward those, those kind of deeper truths. Yeah. I guess I wonder whether I should work harder to learn how mm. to hear what's being said. Mm. Like I don't get opera and I've sat through a few operas and putting <laughs> a few Wagner operas and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Isn't this like a bad version of singing with a bad version of music <laughs> with a bad, bad version of acting? I mean, isn't it like the worst of all three things combined really? together? It's like, it's like a terrible smoothie. <laughs> right. and, and then there's part of me going, so what am I not hearing here? And what mm -hmm. do I, how do I need to be different mm. to hear what's being said? Because Otherwise, I just have this arrogance of mm. going, look, I am, I am who I am. I am right. at my peak. If you're not speaking to me, that's your problem. It's not my problem. I would suggest that the question isn't what am I not hearing or how do I need to change? My instinct when I am in 
confronted with an art that I don't get is because I'm I'm consistently concerned with the quality that art has to like mm. affect me and make me know myself more deeply is to think about when I'm confronted with this art almost like a therapy in a way. What is this making me feel right now? Why mm. am I resistant mm. to it? Do you know what I mean? And like through my understanding of my resistance, maybe I understand myself more deeply and maybe then right. it has had an artistic effect on me, right. even right. though seemingly negative on its surface. Right. right? right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that thing. So hoping to understand. And then also you gain some clarity about, because we're not all going to like all things, why I don't care for this thing helps me understand what I do mm -hmm. like and what, what vehicles um, do work for me. So this has been a, a, a entanglingly interesting <laughs> conversation. So thank you for helping me try to understand art. Uh, um, I don't know if we succeeded, but <laughs> I don't know if we ever will. And that's we need all, to keep. That's why we need to keep exactly. making it right, because exactly. we never will. Yeah. Um, uh, the question I always love to end on is this one: What needs to be said that hasn't yet been said in this conversation? How interesting. Um, I don't know that it hasn't yet been said but maybe not explicitly that going back to Vonnegut where he says, we're here to fart around and don't let that. anybody tell you any differently. <laughs> it's That's like, do, yeah, yeah, don't, don't, don't forget to maintain your childlike wonder and explore. And that mm. is part of the function of art, right? To explore who we are and the world um, because that literally is a definition of the quality of our life. I'm wired to be a bit of a country person. I like to zig when others zag. I mean, it's why, for instance, I called my company Box of Crayons. It's why I'm trying to disrupt in a mild way the usual interview format for the podcast with this two pages idea. So, this line from the book Chadney read from really struck a chord for me. Modern art, on the other hand, will always have the masses against it. It is essentially unpopular. I started this episode by quoting Viggo Mortensen, saying, we're all artists. Now, trickier, it seems that to be a modern artist, you need to create things that are unpopular. That's not just not popular. That's pretty easy to do. <laughs> I've done a thousand things that nobody's ever noticed. But unpopular means it provokes. It makes people go, what the hell is that about? Here's what I find most helpful about this. It challenges me not to collude with my own need to be liked. I mean, don't get me wrong. I actually do want to create things that become popular. The coaching habit is a great example of that. But I first want to create with integrity, something that is real, something that is true. And I've got a feeling that the stuff that lasts, paradoxically, is the stuff that starts off unpopular. If you enjoyed my interview with Chadney, and I hope you did, I thought it was fantastic. I've got a couple of other people, other artists actually, who I would recommend my conversation with. Sarah Stein Greenberg, uh, that interview is called How to Love the Unknown. She works in uh, D school, a design school, and writes about what it takes for creative people to be creative. And Tope Folloran, 
Uh, that interview is called Living in Two Worlds, in part because he is a published poet and he's also the executive director of a, a non-profit. So I was curious to know how he balanced both of those things, both fascinating conversations. Um, for more on Chadney, you can check out his website, chadneyeverett.com. Uh, in the show notes as ever, but C-H-A-D-N-E-Y-E-V-E-R-E-T-T.com. If you want to go and see what Meow Wolf are up to, meowwolf.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reviewing. Thank you for passing the word along. That's how we grow best when you find an interview you love and you send it to somebody you love. So you should listen to this. Um, I'll finish by simply saying you're awesome and you're doing great.